As we continue on our Lenten journey, today we are reminded that needs don't abate, and we are invited to keep serving. Continuing in the Gospel of Mark, today we will jump to the 10th chapter, picking up where the disciples are on the road to Jerusalem, and on the road, Jesus tells them about his upcoming suffering. We will pick up in Mark chapter 10, 35 through 45. But first, let us pray. O holy God, as we turn now to your holy word, as we listen for what it is that you have to say to us this day, give us ears to hear and transform our hearts. For we make this prayer in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Listen for the word of the Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the other 10 heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, you know that among Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I remember this passage being recited frequently at my childhood home. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. I have three older siblings, and we are the children of ministers. Our family dinners were often served buffet-style in our kitchen. When the time came, we would all wrestle to be first in line. Being the youngest, I usually ended up at the end, and my brother, a hungry football player, he would be first. And I could always count on him to look at me and smugly say, the last shall be first, as if that was supposed to make me feel better. He was going to eat most of the cherished potatoes in my mom's famous pot roast, and I was going to be bitter. Jesus says, Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. Jesus continues, 
For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Now I have all kinds of compassion for the disciples when they just couldn't make sense of what Jesus was saying. It seemed to be out of their realm. James and John asking Jesus, can we sit on your right and your left, the places of power? Bless Jesus' heart. He once again had to explain, that is not what I am about. This is not my mission. That is not God's mission. I came to serve, not to be served. And I am inviting you to join me on this journey. On our Lenten journey today, we are asked to wrestle with what it means to keep serving. We might be able to answer that question quickly on the surface. We serve through our partner ministries at First Presbyterian Church in Richmond, donating books to our STEP book drive, sending letters of encouragement to Henry Marsh Elementary students, Caritas, etc. Those are important and necessary ways to serve. But I wonder if we can think anew today. What does it mean to serve? What are we being called to in this season? What does it mean to follow Christ in the act of serving? And how do we serve when we don't have a physical church to go to on Sunday or mission projects to engage in? How do we serve as individuals, followers of Christ, and as a community? I have been stretched to follow Christ's lead to serve during this last year as a member of my family when our lives have been turned upside down, as a pastor when all of the familiar has been removed, as a citizen in God's world. My service has come in the form of listening, being quiet, giving, being open to the Holy Spirit, and seeking to respect others just where they are. When we hear Jesus say, I came to serve, not to be served, what does this look like? Jesus, God incarnate, bringing God's message to the world to love one another, serve one another. And I find it interesting to also ask, how is it that we are seeking to be served. Jesus says, I came to serve, not to be served. What does this mean? Are we seeking to be served? In what ways? I have always wanted to preach what I'd call a theology of wardrobe. You see, I grew up in the land of flip-flops and tank tops, Central Florida. It was just what we did. No matter your income, I mean, yes, sometimes we had our fancier flip-flops, but really, we were casual. It was too hot not to be, and we were a melting pot of people. I then lived in Nashville for my first call as a pastor. And to my surprise, when I first wore my flip-flops and tank top to the Publix in Nashville's West End, it was immediately obvious to me that I was underdressed. 
I remember that incident like it was yesterday. I just moved to town. It was hot and I'd been unpacking and moving all day. Before a break, I ran off to the Publix and boom, I was like a fish out of water. Whether or not it actually happened, it seemed like everyone was looking at me with a look of astonishment. They were all wearing pearls and pressed shirts. I was truly stunned and didn't think I fit in. I asked a new friend, what is the deal? It is just a grocery store, right? She said, yeah, but that's the way we do it here. Recognizing the barriers that we build, even with something as simple as our clothes, is something I have sought to pay attention to. Today is the one-year anniversary of online worship. Our last Sunday worshiping in the building was March 8th, 2020. Can you believe it? Back in those pre-pandemic times, I witnessed firsthand on a couple occasions here at First Pres Richmond, something similar to my experience at Nashville Publix. This has changed for the better somewhat over the 12 years I've been here, but I remember when my father, also coming from Florida and also a Presbyterian minister, visited here for the first time. He felt very out of place because he brought a jacket, but not a tie. Oh, the shame. We laughed about that quite a bit, but it's not always a laughing matter. Over the years, I have heard out of the mouth of visitors similar comments. Once a woman said to me, I love the preaching. I love the people. I love the music and the sanctuary is majestic, but my budget will not allow for the wardrobe. I was quick to say, oh my goodness, please do not let that keep you away. Everyone is welcome. It's easy to say, but hard to accept when it's not what someone experiences. I have had some great conversations with our membership over the years about my ponderings on a theology of wardrobe. Some have said, but I was taught as a child that you dress up for church. That is how we show our reverence to God. And some faithful, friendly men, when I asked, were willing to come tie less after I told them about the gentleman that I saw enter the church with a golf shirt, look around, and then leave. Jesus says, I came to serve, not to be served. How are we serving? Or maybe a first question to ask is, what are we doing that is getting in the way of serving like Jesus? What barriers are in the way, be it our wardrobe or what? And again, how are we seeking to be served? How can we be the church for those who are so hungry to hear God's good news? when entering into the church doors can feel intimidating or unwelcoming? Who are we keeping out, not intentionally, but what barriers can we consider removing? I can hear some of you right now sitting on your couch in your living room, Mary Kay, just because I want to dress up doesn't mean others have to. 
that I should be able to do what I want to do. I can hear you say this because we've had this conversation in the halls of the church before. My response is to say, you aren't wrong. Others do not have to dress like you. But I would follow that up with asking again, what barriers do we create as we seek to welcome all? By what we wear, what we say, how we act. When we dress up for church, are we serving or being served? As we look forward to the pandemic receding and being able to worship in person again, I wonder if we are being called to pay attention to how we will gather together. We have an opportunity to bring down the barriers that might keep some away from worshiping God. Did you know that we have had a greater attendance in worship this year than we have in many years when meeting in person? That is to say, on an average Sunday, pre-pandemic, we would have 300 to 400 in weekly worship. During this year, we are tracking 500 to 700 who are watching our service online every week. As a minister overseeing membership, this is an important detail. Personally, I am not gonna lie. I have gone to church more with my family in this last year than I have ever. And not only going to church together, but going to church without fighting and stress and anxiety. My anxiety is less. I don't have to worry about wearing the right thing. And I don't have to worry about my children with all of their independent ways wearing the appropriate things. We are sitting comfortably on our couch with our dog, sipping coffee and cocoa. We sing and then laugh at each other because we are off key. We listen and then talk. Don't get me wrong. It's not like that every week. We have three headstrong teenagers, so maybe once a month, it's all five of us. But Rob and I are worshiping together every week, usually with one kid coming in late and the freedom that we have found with just being able to join in worship, just as we are, has been, well, freeing. I want this freedom to continue. I want all the people who found us online over this last year to come and join us in the sanctuary or the rec room when they can. And I want us to continue to offer the accessibility that has been available this year for those who won't be in the church building every week. I want all to be welcomed. I want them to feel at ease and to be able to get in a posture of worship without the anxiety, a posture of worship where they receive and then are sent out. The season of Lent always invites us into a wilderness experience. And if we are honest, for many of us, we feel as if we have been in the wilderness for a year now. But I believe God is using this wilderness season. God has used this wilderness to call the church to re-examine who we are and what we are called to do. As we see how God is using this shared wilderness experience, we can in turn share what we see with others, offering them 
hope. Friends, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Jesus was simply following God's mission. We are followers of Christ. Jesus taught us how to live, how to serve. And Jesus invites us to love one another just as God loves us. Let us keep going. Let's keep serving and see how our faith blooms and grows. Amen.